This is LSU Experimental, where we explore exciting research occurring at Louisiana State University and learn about the individuals posing the questions. I'm Becky Carmichael. Has there been a time where you've had to push through frustration, panic, or fear? Most likely the answer is yes. And this is also true for our researchers because keeping your cool is crucial for both your research and your safety. In this mini-sode of craziest, weirdest, and most dangerous, we spotlight Prasanta Chakrabarty's tight squeezes during his cave explorations and Megan Moore's NASA payload recovery adventures as moments when calm, patience, and creativity were needed to face fears and collect the data. Hey, Kyle. Are you ready for our craziest, weirdest, and most dangerous episode? Thanks for having me uh, back, Becky. Appreciate being here. Of course. Um, and so the last time we talked, we were all about those, those tiny little details that are super important for ensuring that we get the best data and that we protect those things that we are, we protect the items that are needed for the type of research that's being done. Um, this time, we're going to be talking about how do you keep your cool under different situations. Um, so Kyle, do you want to tell us how you've kept your cool in certain situations, aside from just being a cool dude, you know, to begin with. Right. Well, grad, yeah, grad school just never, you never feel like settled at any given moment. But I guess a, a one in particular that was pretty rough was we took a boat out at Vermilion Bay. Um, so this is in a marsh pretty much. And there's all these patches of, of grass in certain areas. So mosquitoes just love this area because the water's just a little bit more still. And um, so we go out there to measure our oysters and we have a couple hundred oysters out there. It's gonna take us an hour to measure them. And I don't do well on boats anyways that, that much, especially when you turn the motor off and then you're just sitting and letting the current or the waves kind of rock you back and forth. You don't? I don't, it's not, yeah, it's not my, my peak performance is at, is at that level. So I get pretty nauseous, but either oh, way, wow. I dramamined up, I was okay, I was out there, um, and I was worried about the bug spray, so I was asking around, and no one had like the 100% deep, really what you need when you're going into to one of these areas. Um, they just had like, I, I swear it was a mosquito attractant, because when we got there, uh, it was about 98 degrees outside, you know, complete humidity. So you're just drenched in sweat and then you're just covered in mosquitoes and you know you have about an hour's worth of measuring these oysters. And so I guess it was a moment of me just accepting my life at that moment of I'm going to leave very itchy. I'm going to be itchy for about, about two weeks after this, but it's just an I can, I can do one hour of this as the sweat's literally dripping onto the paper. Uh, but you know what? We got the data and it's leading to some really cool results right now. So I'm actually, I think it's, you know, now it's worth it. But at the time I was starting to absolutely panic for that, that full hour. Well, that's a long time to have to be, you're already uncomfortable because, you know, that level of humidity and combined with that heat, it, I'm sorry, that's just not pleasant. You're marinating in your own sweat. It's uncomfortable, but then to add in that mosquito biting, and especially those numbers, that really starts to get at you mentally. So what were some of the things you were doing to kind of keep yourself calm and focused? 
Well, the first mistake was I forgot since I'm not on the West Coast anymore, I'm originally from California, is that we have warm waters in, in the Gulf. Um, so I like immediately grab my hat and try to like drench it in the water and put it back on. And I realize that it's about as warm as, you know, my body, like it, it's the complete opposite of refreshing. But I ended up having to just get into like a meditative trance where I was just completely, this is where it was it paid off to have a little bit of meditation in my life, actually. Yeah. We've really. talked about that meditation off and on for some things. I, I know that I personally, if being in those kind of situations where it's hot and muggy and mosquitoes are abundant, I've been very thankful that I had music to listen to because that was something I could pick out either something crazy and just kind of just sing it and, and get through it or have something that was just more mellow and it would just allow me to kind of center and, and get what I needed to be, have done. The difference maker as well is that I was with other people who I know, I mean, they're babies in certain ways too, but we were all, no one was complaining. We were making some jokes about it, but no one was openly just complaining about it. And I feel like that camaraderie of, hey, we're just a bunch of scientists who are lunatics out here on a boat you know, we've all chosen to kind of be here. Don't, you know, don't just make it hard on everyone, but let's all bring each other up. And like, if they can do it, then I can do it. Oh yeah. And, and I feel like the insect level can really be crazy. There's been some other areas where we've had those little small gnats, both on the East coast and the West coast. And I notoriously, they go into my eyes. Um, and we were coming up with very creative phrases and then being very comfortable with each other picking these things out of our eyes because it's like ah why can't i do my work um, well yeah so that that's one of my most recent ones have you had something uh anytime recent where you had to keep your cool under a stressful situation well if you consider it so i i I also I want to preface this with I am seeing a lot of silver linings in the situation that we're in now kind of being in the middle of the COVID quarantine and I will tell you that right now I'm very appreciative that I don't have to commute I can just kind of self-isolate my house I'm enjoying some time with my child that said I do know that this has caused me to have to keep my cool a lot because you know, I, I still have deadlines that I'm supposed to meet. And sometimes it's not so easy when there is a thousand distractions, both self-created as well as from others. And I've had to find other re ways in which to laugh things off and make a joke out of it rather than allow it to eat away at me and get me down. And, and you know, it's, I think that when you're staying at home and you have your child at home, Kids, kids don't understand why they're at, why they're stuck in the house and why they can't go play with others. And there's been some there's been some pretty kind of crazy moments of just like, buddy, you gotta you gotta stop. And it, then it's also like, okay, I'm gonna take a minute. I'm gonna put work over here. What do you want to play? You want to play a new game? We have gone and played the Untitled Goose game. And let me tell you what the totally making a commercial for this this game is pretty rudimentary on the graphics but it's a goose that goes around and creates mayhem for people and it honks at people and that right there has been the funniest thing in order to kind of bring myself back together 
that's fantastic. Yeah, we should actually say you are working mom level 100 right now. You, your kid is actually currently in a classroom online while we're recording this. Yes, yeah, so he is he is going to be entering his final Zoom for the year with his uh, other classmates and teachers. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very thankful that the little dude has kept up with the work. And sometimes it's been a little bit of a struggle, but I think I had a breakthrough because yesterday. I made him realize that he I could show I showed him how he could chat with his friends via roadblocks and then I said this is why you need to learn to read and write so you can chat with your friends <laughs> you don't have to come to me and have me spell things out and he yeah. just looked at me and it was like this big light bulb went off and he's like oh, you're right I'm like see I'm not I'm not making stuff up look at the fun you can have if you can read and write <laughs> The right incentive structure, yeah, <laughs> that was smart. So who are, who are we? Uh, who do we have today that's also kept their cool in a crazy? I would say crazier situation than we might have even been in. I d I think that the situations that we've just shared are pretty darn tame compared to Prasanta Chakrabarty and Megan Moore. So I want to get started first with uh, Prasanta because. His work has involved going and uh, studying cave fishes and the evolution of cave fishes. And so he is sharing with us the time where he was literally stuck in a hole in uh, Australia. So there are actually multiple caves in both of those places, Madagascar and Australia. And they're on either side of the Indian Ocean, you know, 6,000 kilometers apart. And when I went to Madagascar, it was right before I started at LSU and like, you know, a month before or something like that. And we were after some species that hadn't been collected since the 30s and 50s. And we ended up finding those and a new species too. Um, and those caves were enormous, um, huge, long things. And when I started at LSU, you know, we had an inkling that those cave species from that part of Madagascar looked very similar and were in the same family as some cave fishes in Australia. Mm. And uh, there was a conference in Australia, and I thought, why not you know, see if we can get some samples for, of that other fam members of that family in Australia. And those caves were tiny. <laughs> and, in, and it was almost a joke that we had to go in them uh, they were, looked like they were barely wider than my head, uh, the entrance. And I actually went to Australia in those caves with my wife, and she was joking uh, that, like, you know, this hole, or is there another entrance, or what are we doing? And so some of them, um, yeah, you did have to very uh, uncomfortably enter some small spaces that um, I wouldn't normally do. <laughs> yeah. But we did get fish out of those holes. I did have to, you know, it took me 15 minutes just to get um, out of the hole, even though my head was sticking out because I had come out the wrong direction or in into the pond. Uh, but I'd rather be stuck at the entrance exit than inside. It was tight inside too. And so, now luckily we were with a local person who actually named me. A new species after, he's such a great guy. And so, um, 
Yeah, that was a, a memorable trip. I'm glad I, I did that. I don't know if I'd always be so, so daring as to do that, but I hope I would be. Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of things I want to get with you. I feel like I, there's certain things that cause me to I feel like I think that I would care if I felt like I was stuck. But I think I would feel better knowing the unknown though, what, it, what am I going to call Invisible and Fine this cave in Australia? Yeah, I guess um, we were lucky that Darren, he's the guy, the local guy that we were with, he's like a bigger guy than me, I was like a geeky guy. And then, <laughs> so I always send a bigger person. But uh, he knew that we were what we say from what's not safe. Sometimes we do dumb things, you know, when we don't have a local person to go in. So, but I would love to do To see the size of this, this entrance, it does really look like it's just a hole in the ground. Like what you would find around maybe a stump or something. It doesn't look like it's going to be the entrance to a cave. And then to have to be able to kind of work your way and contort your body in such a position in order to get down inside there. I'm sorry, that's... No, I'm out. Like that, I would start to panic. Or did 
upset at yourself? Oh, Is anybody talking it. to you? I, I looked it. I just, it was fight or flight. And I was, I was fighting. Oh my gosh. And that, that's a scary feeling too because you're in this space and at least in, in that kind of location, there's some level of control, right? Like if they had to, there's people around you, they can get you out. I'm thinking about these instances where Prasanta and some of our other researchers have gone into these caves um, and they're really the only people there with their guides. So, you know, if something does go awry, how are they getting out? I just... Oh, yeah. I mean, even if you're, uh, one of our friends is doing uh, scuba diving and exploring underwater caverns that haven't been explored before and you're just... You want to go wingsuit jumping right after? You know, it feels it feels like just so it's so scary those activities, but they they live for it. Some of those people just live for it. Well, and it's also pretty incredible the uh, the research component, right? So the organisms they're able to find and the answers to these questions they're able to address. Um, I think that you know this is this is a place where you have to have an adventurous spirit if you're doing research, um, but paired with that level of safety, right? So um, that balance of risk versus, you know, careful planning, if you will, and having the right team. Right. So speaking of having the right team, as well as being inventive, um, our next person that I wanted to share is, um, Megan Moore. And so Megan is um, an undergraduate at LSU and she is in the biological engineering uh, group. She does so much different research and has taken on as many opportunities as possible. Um, it's impressive. Megan is also somebody who's very heavily involved in um, sci art and STEAM projects. And so I got to sit with her uh, actually recently this past week to talk a little bit about her involvement with uh, creating some of the PPE that's being used by hospitals and how it has been in mass production at the PMAC. Um, and in doing so, we also got into some of her, her craziest, weirdest, and most dangerous um, moments. And in this particular instance, she decided to share with me that she was doing a, a year or two ago uh, over the summer a undergraduate research project where they were launching different payloads um, with NASA up collecting data both up and down and then they had to go and retrieve those payloads and you know they had to they was it was really important because you know this cube was attached to this huge like balloon and where they were launching them in Texas they had GPS and so they were some of them they were able to find but others they were landing in these really particular places so let's take a listen so we had done a launch with uh we've done a launch in Palestine Texas at NASA and we're going to do recovery and one of the rules and requirements for doing a launch for re the recovery phase is you have to have permission to retrieve your payloads from someone's property if it's on a private piece of land. So we get in contact with them and we can't figure out exactly where things landed, but we're looking at Google Maps and we can see that there is swamp everywhere. And we're like, oh boy, I hope our payloads didn't fall in the water. So we get in contact with the guy and we're like, hey, do you have like something we can use 
we see a boat on the property and he's like, yeah, you can use the boat, but all the paddles washed out in the last like flood that we had. So we're going up a creek as a group without paddles, paddling instead with two by fours and four by twelves up the creek. And we finally get to the location where we're getting the radar from the GPS that's attached to the payload string and it's up in a tree. So we end up having to get a chainsaw after paddling down the creek, come back up the creek and the tree gets chopped down. And that is how all of the payloads got recovered. But it was an entirely ridiculous scenario where we kept having to go under fallen trees and branches because this area doesn't cl get cleaned up. And there's like boatloads of, or branch loads of spiders just falling into the boat on everybody. <laughs> this is how you find out that some people have arachnophobia and they start clinging to you. Oh, and everybody's still paddling and there's snakes and there's tiny alligators and like it's just an absurd scene that when the day was over we were all still not completely convinced that it actually happened because of how ridiculous the entire process was so essentially she said that you know they they had to just kind of keep their eye on the prize so they knew that this was this is the data that they needed. Some people had lost their payloads completely. It had gone in the water, and so then they couldn't retrieve them. So each payload that they could retrieve was really gold. It's, it was so crucial. And so um, they had to kind of keep in good spirits and use humor and just keep going. How big of a team was it out there? Oh, goodness, I can't remember. I know it had to be, I think she said it was about between four or five. Um, but I'd have to re-listen to that episode. It's hard. It's like that weird, you know, two or three people. But once you start to get four or five, sometimes you get that one person who just, yeah, if they have really bad arachnophobia and you are seeing these spiders that are just ungodly big. And I mean... Well, and if you think about if it's a team that's composed of individuals that are not from that part of the country and they're coming in from different areas, then there's some aspects here that are that unknown. And so how do you, as a researcher, when you're entering these areas that you don't have any experience with, you don't have that connection, when you're confronted with something that's outside of your norm and is different, Sometimes your natural instinctual response is to scream or jump or run away. But if you are in a boat with a bunch of other people and you still got to go forward, how do you find that, that part of you that kind of gets back? And is it a version of meditation? Is it something that you're using humor? I know I personally use humor. I laugh inappropriately. But what you know, what is the, your mechanism to kind of keep going um, so that you can be successful? And again, this is, these payloads were important. Like this was, some of them were being lost in the water. Some of them, they weren't sure if they were, they, the more they could retrieve, the better it was for this particular project and the publications that were going to be coming out of it. It's worth paddling with two by fours up the river. And going back down and coming back up and going back down. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think that there's, there could be a, a slew of different um, contributions to just this particular topic about keeping your cool. And I'm sure that others have had craziest, weirdest, and most dangerous experiences within their research and their travels. And so 
ideally what I'd like is if we could hear more from people and those experiences and maybe in the future we can do this again. I don't know. So Becky, if someone had a really crazy story that they wanted to share, not necessarily a full interview, but at least wanted to share a crazy story they went through, how would they, how would they do that? I think the best thing is to send me an email. So they can um, contact the uh, LSU uh, experimental at gmail.com. And, you know, they can also reach out to me and, and they can contact me and we can, uh, they can find us on all the social media spaces. So Instagram and Twitter and yeah, we can start, we can figure out how we can get that recorded and shared. Yeah, enough of those and we have a mini, a mini episode for everyone again, to send in your crazy stories. I would love that. I, I, I don't know. This is, this is the kind of stuff that I, I enjoy because it, it really, again, it shows the human element that's across all of it and that we all have some kind of crazy story to share and experience. So we, we are not alone, even in those, some of those moments where we really feel like we are. This has been fun. I'm glad, we, uh, I'm glad we've been able to do the quarantine sessions. Yeah, well, th thanks for having me on. It, it's, it's hard being quarantined and stuck inside and, you know, all day. And so this is a, a good way to spend some time. And we'll, we'll have some MacGyver moments uh, coming pretty soon, right? Yes. Can I? Oh, we've got, some, we've got some MacGyver moments that I am stoked to share. Yes. So stay tuned for some MacGyver moments. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Beck. This episode of LSU Experimental was recorded and produced in my home and is supported by LSU's Communication Across the Curriculum and the College of Science. Today's episode was conducted by Kyle Sorovi and myself with sound engineering by Evan Prue. Theme music is Brambi at Full Gallop by PC3. To learn more about today's episode, ask questions, find us on social media, and recommend future investigators, visit cxc.lsu.edu forward slash experimental. While you're there, subscribe to the podcast. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play.